Lying in your arms So close together Didn't know just what I had Lying in your arms So close together Didn't know just what I had Welcome to Iconography, the original doll. I'm your host, James Rodriguez. Big shout out to my Patreon patrons. You all rock. You keep this train going. And as with every episode of the original doll, any audio recording, ripping, stealing is strictly prohibited in every country in the world. So if you see anything leaked anywhere, please report it. We're going to get right to the show. Thank you for joining me. Everyone, I would like to welcome you back to The Original Doll. I'm your host, James Rodriguez on The Original Doll. I unpackage music with the people who create it, and at the same time, we give back to charity. So for every question or guest answers, we get items donated to women and children, domestic abuse shelters, homeless LGBT, plus more. So go ahead, check out on Instagram to find out ways of doing this. Today, many of you know his songs. Many of you, probably like me, mispronounce his name. Today, we have a producer, an icon, who is going to talk about his career and so many of these songs that you love. And I want to take a moment to thank Fight Ren. Thank you so much for being here today. Oh, it's an absolute pleasure. I'm very excited to chat with you because the amount of love that you've received, and this is from people that are not only my age, but then also they're like, my parents listen to NSYNC and now I like this song, or my parents like Backstreet Boys. And I, Crazy, right? It's like that generation generation yeah, yeah. list thing, which I think is awesome. So what I'm going to do is read some of these great letters of love that people have sent to you about the songs that have meant the most to them, the songs that they love, so mm -hmm. on and so forth. But I want to rewind back. Can you give us a little insight into how music came to you? Oh, interesting. Wow. How did it come to me? It's literally my older brother and sister. Brother's nine years older, sister six years older. He was uh, the guitar playing Casanova, you know, nine years older, <laughs> you know. And so he got me inspired. Oh, you play an instrument and girls like you. Hmm. <laughs> Right. So as a young boy, that was definitely something. And then uh, my sister brought back, we were just talking about this because I was in Germany just uh, for Oktoberfest. It was mm. amazing. I was, you know, still have my best, best friends from 40 years ago. And uh, we were talking about how did we fall in love with the music that we listened to, like Luther Vandross and Stevie Wonder and how, because all our friends were listening to Scorpion and queen and you know all this stuff and we're here listening to r&b music like how did this come and then we actually figured out it was my sister she's six years older and she came back from the clubs playing cool and the gang and earth wind and fire oh. and those things were like oh so she's the culprit she's the one that exposed us to american r&b music you know so 
that's basically how I got started. And then I started playing guitar when I was six, a keyboard and organ shortly after. So I've always played like both uh, the string instrument and, and the keys, which is very helpful when you're a producer, because a lot of times I don't have to hire a musician. I just play it myself. I do know my limits. I know when I need to hire a guy that can actually play. But uh, for the most basic stuff, I usually try to play it myself. And, uh, and then, you know, I also started singing. So that's where really the, you know, working with boy bands like NSYNC and Backstreet Boys was very, was very helpful that I also sing because I can often just sing them what I want to hear, you know, which I can't imagine trying to explain to somebody what I want to hear. You know, mm -hmm. you have to be a communication a genius to do that, but just say, sing this and boom, there, there it is. Right. So. Well, and I think the cool thing is knowing your discography as well as I do, it's there's always R&B sensibility in all of that. Yeah. Can't hide it. What, nope. That, that's what separates <laughs> you from it. so many other things because yeah. when I go back through any of the songs, it's always that more R&B or it's always off center a bit, which is amazing yeah. because it, it's artistically choosing to go this way and not the, we're going to go A, B, C, D. You're like, we're going to go A, then number four, then B, and then D, and then Z. And so. Yeah. And you know, that's a curse at the same time, you know, because I was never really able to do that cookie cutter stuff, you know, like this is the structure. This is pop music nowadays. This is how we got to do it. I'm incapable of it. Actually, when I first started working on the pop stuff, it was it really went against everything, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. that I stood for musically. I was able to always incorporate a little bit of that, which is me into that by using maybe a little bit more tensions in my chords, working in some in-between chords where people go, well, that's jazzy. You know, I would, you, know you don't mm -hmm. know how many times in my career I heard <laughs> say, that that's too jazzy. I'm like, there is nothing jazzy about this. <laughs> you have to make a real difference between jazzy and R&B, okay? Because the one and two, two different things, okay? But that's what I got a lot. And you know, in the beginning, it was funny because I was working with not just Backstreet, but some R&B artists here in Orlando that came pretty, pretty successful. They sold gold on their first album, which is pretty good for local artists. And even then, like, ah, uh, you know, he plays like that because he went to Berkeley. You know, like, like that had mm. anything to do with it, you know, but that's just, that's how people, they love to push things in certain um, drawers and, and mm -hmm. have to put you in a box, you know, that's just how it is. Well, and, and the cool thing is these, so many of these letters of love are from throughout the world. The people that were impacted by your music globally, to me, that's awesome because to your point, music is a universal thing yeah. and you could mm -hmm. be from orlando you could be from chicago you can be from a small town in spain and when music hits you sometimes i always say like you don't know why a song gets connected to you right away you're like right. oh i like that and you kind of lean into that so there are so many people that have sent stuff we actually have Clyde from Dublin. He said, James, I love your podcast. Can you please talk to Fight Ren about his work on NSYNC's album? I'm autistic and I learned how to play music so that I can figure out a way to express myself. So thank him. He's one of those people that inspired me. Wow. Can you please ask him how he got connected to NSYNC and what was the label's first mission statement? Is that scary to start working on a debut album? Thank you. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. So for last question first, it's very scary because it was kind of the same with Backstreet. So when when they when I started working with them and this is how I got to NSYNC. So let's start with Backstreet. Mm -hmm. When I started working with them, it was pretty much an open slate. Nobody really knew. It's like throwing stuff at the wall. 
mm-hmm. and see what sticks. The label kind of gives you directions and then <laughs> it's it's some of the most frustrating work any producer ever has to go through working with A&R guys that's throwing stuff at the wall because they give you work and then you do exactly what they ask you to do and it's not at all what they wanted. <laughs> and then they go, ah, this, I'm not feeling that. I'm like, this is exactly what you said you wanted. <laughs> yeah, but it's not, you know, it's not working. Okay, well, then that's a different thing, you know, but it is what you wanted, right? So, um, and a, a lot of that happens. And um, so it is a little scary. You have to f- kind of please so many people. The The guys want to do one thing. The management wants to do another thing. You kind of hear this is the right direction and then the label on top and then there's a publisher. So there's like all these influences mm-hmm. that tell you how to do the music um so it is kind of scary but on the other hand you just do you you know that's all you can do you know you try to kind of listen I've, I've done a lot of production uh over the years also for the parks like disney and universal for some of the shows and other things and that's even bigger we're talking 25 people committee you mm-hmm. know giving you giving you suggestions so you have to learn to read in between the lines of what they're saying. Mm. You know, if they're saying, oh, we want it to be more Dua Lipa, well, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. Right? You have to you have to understand what they're trying to say. Because they're not going to be that articulate in exactly what they want. They just give you an well, it feels different, you know, it feels whatever that means. <laughs> and you try to follow that. So anyway, so I worked with Backstreet because it's the same management. They actually introduced NSYNC to me. It was Johnny Wright, the manager that's still managing Justin and many other people. And he actually, it was actually interesting. We had just finished the Backstreet Boys album and he brought them to me and he said, I want you to check these guys out. See if they, see if you think they're worth it to us, for us mm. to put the, in, the, the energy in, in, into it. Imagine that responsibility. Oh my God. Now thinking about that, right? Mm-hmm. But anyway, so they came by, they sang for me and I, I immediately heard Justin and Jay-Z. I was like, yeah. These guys are actually, sorry to say that, much better singers. You know, that's how we got started. We just started getting songs from the publisher. We were writing stuff. I have my writing partner in, in, he lives in London, uh, Jolly and Skinner, who is my favorite lyricist on the whole planet. So we wrote a few things, then they would give us songs to produce. So that was, it's a very organic kind of way. Mm-hmm. to get to finally something where they go, oh, I think we found something. This is kind of the direction. And then everything kind of shifts. It takes mm-hmm. that road. So there's many roads in the beginning and then something clarifies, the fog clears and you find that direction and then you go that way. So one of the guests that we've had on a lot is Steve Lunt, who did Britney's A&R. He was at Jive Records. And he talked about, he's like, you know, working on Britney's debut album, it's exciting and scary kind of at the same time because you don't know what you're creating. This is going to be the introduction of this artist. And how do you, let me ask you this as a creative, how did you then having just worked with Backstreet Boys, how did you make it so that you weren't cutting and pasting what you did with Backstreet? Because what you did with Backstreet is vastly different than what you did with NSYNC. Vastly. I think it was more of an organic thing because you have different type of singers. Like with Justin, even when even he was 14 years old, remember he was he was a baby. Um, I remember in the beginning, I invited them over to my house and we had a little kind of soul food dinner. My wife and I, we, we love to cook. 
I remember Justin saying to my to my wife, Miss Janice, do you, do you think we're going to be famous? You know, <laughs> I mean, just thinking back to that, my wife and I still talk about that. You know, now oh. it's like it's insane. No, I think it kind of happens organic. Backstreet and NSYNC, for instance, are vastly different singers, right? Mm-hmm. And when you hear the ability of Justin and, and his, his, his R&B sensibility, then you automatically steer a little bit to maybe some different phrasings, more ad-libs. I'm not saying that Brian and Backstreet could totally cut that too. He's an amazing singer. Um, so is AJ, very, very, very soulful. There's actually a song that only was released in Europe. It's called If You Lay Down. And uh, a lot of people haven't heard this song over here. And it's a total R&B record that Jolien and I wrote for them. And they put it on some European release. I was like, okay, this is weird. This is like more American than anything. But, you know, um, but yeah, no, they can totally do that too. So, you know, in both, it's pop, but it has, when I did it, always a little bit of R&B in it. So just naturally because the great thing is so many of the the listeners on the show are nsync backstreet fans britney fans and right. where they always talk about they're like why did this one song only get released in the uk why is this an eu only? I know, why I is this southeast who knows? asia <laughs> who knows we don't know the label does whatever they want it's funny that you talk to steve lunt because um on that first back uh first britney album or was it the second anyway they contacted me there was a song they wanted me to produce and um I ended up not doing it because they didn't meet my rate, you know, which was weird. And later on, of course, I've been like, why the hell did I not do that? But, you know, <laughs> yeah. Uh, hey, you know, at the time you're like, uh, you know, you established a certain mm-hmm. rate and you want oh, this 100%. and they're like, oh, we're not going to pay this because it's Britney. And we're like, well, I'm not going to work unless I get my rate. So you've been somebody who Backstreet Boys and Sync and even with Britney is there were so many projects going on, re-releases. We're going to make this version that way. And simultaneously, and the thing that we learned from Steve and everyone was almost half of the Oops, I Did It Again album was actually created during the baby production. So, so many people like, uh, they yeah. were continuing collecting songs so that they can just push another album out there. So, so many people are like, but I think it was before From the Bottom of My Broken Heart came out, but I don't, and I'm like, I got those dates That's for you. That's why like, it kind of sounds connected, right? It has a continued sound because it wasn't like a whole new collection of songs. Nope. It was, mm-hmm. yeah, that makes sense. We didn't really work like that with Backstreet and NSYNC so much because when that second album came out, it was a whole new crew of people writing songs and songs were coming from mostly Zamba and Universal. And and then Zamba was bought by BMG and then by Universal. And mm-hmm. It's it's just cr- uh, crazy, crazy mess. So there was definitely a whole new direction. And plus the guys wanted to get more involved into their own production, which I totally get. Because the first albums, it was all us. You don't often see where an artist works with a group of producers and then a second album comes around and then they're working with some of the same producers and then the artists really get to be involved because they're like, okay, we kind of know what we're, what we're into. Yeah. This is the best part with this is that you've had so many songs and the thing is you're making stuff simultaneously. And so all these songs, what's been great is so many of these people are asking these questions because now they're going back. I do a big push as we go through all the songs because then I go, hey, if you don't have it, buy it now, buy the digital, the physical version Mm. is coming. All these songs that were like album cuts, people love all these songs. And so the moment I start shining a light on it, people go back and go, Mm. I forgot I really loved that song. And so that's why I always go, every song that we can talk about, we talk about. I wanna hop to Mary in South Africa. 
James Rodriguez, you have the best interviews. I love them all. I am an NSYNC fan. I loved when you talked to Alex Greggs. He's so funny. I wanted to ask if you can talk to Mr. Fight, and I want to know who made the decision to sing a song sailing? I know that you talk about debut albums having covers. Who was the decision maker? Thank you so much for your time. Johnny Wright on Sailing. Absolutely. He's the one that brought that song to me. He said, we should do this song. And I'm like, ooh, that's going to be interesting. You know, this whole middle section is an instrumental, this little bridge mm -hmm. in that song. And I was like, ooh, we could do a really cool a cappella thing in here, you know? And yeah, it came from Johnny Wright straight up, the management. Sometimes, a lot of times they make good choices. Hey, that's why they do what they do, you know? So many people reached out to me and said, what are some songs I could put on Yacht Rock? And I'm like, and I throw them the NSYNC. I'm like, here, Spotify, <laughs> iTunes. And they're like, but it's NSYNC. I was like, but you haven't listened to it. Ah, that's and, right. and that's all it is. They're like, oh, this is that's great. A, that's a cool little arrangement. I hear that. Uh, and I listen to that some sometimes, you know, and I'm um, like that little breakdown part. It's pretty interesting, you know? Uh, it's a cool arrangement of a, what was originally, what was the piano part? I don't remember what instrument was playing that in the sailing record. Being a cappella is kind of cool. I mean, not a cappella, but arranged for vocals. Yeah. Now we have Smiths from Sweden. James Rodriguez, I want to thank you for honoring the hard work of these music producers and songwriters. The song Riddled by NSYNC is so good and different. It felt like it would be on the radio with Asa Bass, Corona, and Real McCoy. This song is so effing good. This was Europe only. Oh man, I've done so much music. Right during that time, at the same time where Samba was bought by Universal in 97, 98, somewhere around there. This is what this, a little after this. A first a company called Firstcom, which was par, part of Universal, was asking me if I had any tracks laying around. You know, because we write, sometimes we just make tracks, you know. I don't really do that anymore. But back, at the, back then, I was doing like two, three tracks a day, just knocking out tracks ideas. I had like over 100 tracks laying around. So I was like, yeah, I can send you some. And they're like, oh, we love it. Whatever you have with any type of vocals on it, we'll immediately want to buy it from, from you. So it doesn't have to have words, but like some oohs and ahs and whatever. Mm -hmm. So I put a compilation together and it was released on First Calm and I did three CDs for them. I ended up being, and that stuff ended up on Nordic Track, Microsoft commercials, all these kind of, but I didn't remember any of them, right? So my wife she'd be sitting there on the tv she'd be going that sounds like yours and i'm like oh yeah that is one of mine <laughs> you know because at that time i was just banging out so many but she would she would know my sound like that so yeah there was a lot of that happening licensed music is, has been good to me so and that's one of those things it's so cool because when oftentimes so many people are like, oh, you know, back in the day, was it you would start fresh, you know, in the studio. And in my experience of talking to everyone, 90s, early 2000s, like most people are like, no, we came prepared with some stuff. Oh, yeah. Because if you didn't or you only had one and the artist was like not feeling it next. And if you didn't have next. anything. Yeah, exactly. And so that and not was... only that, but, you know, OK, so with them, we had we spent lots of time in the studio just goofing off. Right. But I've seen artists where you literally were like, um. I'm on my next tour bus in four hours. Go. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. you're like, 
oh shoot four hours that's all i get to record the lead vocal i'm like okay let's go boom and you just gotta knock it out you know the crazy thing is going through this discography is and so many people have said they're like we like sailing we like you got it we like digital get down and the fun thing is across the board so many people have so many different favorites of your songs which is a testament of what you've done that it isn't oh, like everyone only likes that one song everyone loves all of these songs and that's why <laughs> i think going back and revisiting these and kind of unpackaging them makes everyone go maybe i didn't listen to it then or maybe i forgot about it now we're going to head to the united states for this question from casey james rodriguez can you please ask mr fight wren about making for the girl who has everything I love the song uh, so much and wanted to know why the label made a remix of it. I love both versions. The one on the radio was different than the one on the CD. It's, I don't think there's a huge difference be between the two mixes. Um, mm -hmm. um, the arrangement, I don't think, changed. But this was the first song Jolien and I had written for NSYNC. Literally. What? Yeah. And we, I wrote it on the guitar and it was just, they, they loved it. And it was the first song I actually recorded with them from everything I've done. That is the first song. Are you serious? Yeah. yeah. See, this is the part that's amazing because not only now do we get to go back and listen to this, the evolution, but also the evolution of you as a producer with them, them as singers. Hopping out to point out something for, for the girl who has everything. Now this was released as the fourth single from the NSYNC album, and it was released exclusively in the German market. Now, what was interesting is the album version of the song had JC singing both the first verse and the second verse, but the remix, as some people call it, or the radio mix, had Justin Timberlake singing the second verse. Now, now that we know, talking to Fight Red, is you might have several people recording the song, figuring out which one works. The other thing, too, is, as we talked with Steve Lunt, who was at Jive Records and was Britney Spears' A&R guy and worked on several NSYNC projects, he said it came down to this. By the time certain songs were out, by the time an album was out, you still wanted to kind of breathe life into that song. So everyone who bought that NSYNC album maybe was like, I don't need that single. The, that album's been out for quite some time. But if you put a remix or an alternate version of it out there, then people will come back to the song. Then they will buy the song. We talked about that with Born to Make You Happy, Britney Spears. We talked about that with You Drive Me Crazy. There were so many of those things happening because this wasn't like nowadays very much it feels like there could be a single or two officially released from an album done onto the next album. But this time you had songs that were, when we go back to Janet Jackson, you had songs that were being released as singles two, three years after an album was released. These albums and the music had legs. So that's why they would kind of go, okay, we're going to push this out there, but what new thing can we add on to this? And that's what it was. So I'm going to play for you JC singing this song, For the Girl Who Has Everything, that verse. Then we're going to throw in Justin, and I'll be right back. Why do you run and hide? Say what you feel inside, and why must you always forget? Oh, yeah. 
And what's been amazing is over the past several years is doing these interviews and deep diving, going through the vocal production and the production of these songs is you kind of hear some of these artists have their tags. Uh, some of it can have their little stamp of approval, the little watermark on there. Britney Spears with the, oh yeah, you know, I'm not going to do it. Uh, but those Britney Spears things where when people try to replicate that Britney Spears sound, they add that extra like oomph to it. So I'm going to now play Justin Timberlake's version of the song. Now, these two artists are vocally talented, period, facts. It's interesting to see how different the delivery of a song can be. And that's what Fight Ren was talking about, that you basically, the vocal producer is, okay, how, what's this delivery going to be like? How are we going to change this? Are we going to make it more about the note or more about, you know, the, the lyric itself or both? Now, here's Justin. Why do you run and hide? Say what you feel inside it. Why must you always fade it? No way. So you can hear the difference in vocal delivery, and that changes with one vocalist to the next vocalist. But I wanted to separate these out so you can kind of hear. The same song as Fight said was, you know, the song overall stayed the same. This is just Justin is coming in for the second verse. Now, NSYNC has become a group that during their time together, a lot of that happened where you might have this person take the lead. They may have a remix or an alternate version or a radio edit come out and this other artist may do uh, the lead or, you know, vice versa. But now I want to talk about there's a part in the song that I wanted you all to pay attention to is the end of the album version. The song kind of fades out. Okay. But... The end of the radio mix, there's something a little bit different. And that's, once again, that's the version with Justin on the second verse. Here's the original ending uh, for The Girl Who Has Everything. And now here's the Justin, the radio mix, or radio remix depends on the territory depends on how your radio station said it but this is the ending with justin So this is what I do on the original Dell Iconography with James Rodriguez. Kind of talk about the unpackaging, all these elements. It's easy for people to think pop music is just disposable, that there's no effort in it. But to make songs that are loved by, quote unquote, the masses, it's really difficult because you have to make songs that people can connect to lyrically, sonically. So I always give props up to all of these artists and all these boy bands. The whole thought is, if you're in a boy band, you have no talent, you don't do this, you don't do that. NSYNC is a band that you all know has talented creative people in there. These are people who have produced for other artists, and we're going to be talking about that in the next couple of weeks. But we're going to get to the show and continue the conversation with the fight. And if you're enjoying this, check out those other episodes that I've released. And if you're a fan of production, take a listen to the journeys of so many of these great producers and songwriters. Back to the show. See, this is the part that's amazing because 
not only now do we get to go back and listen to this, the evolution, but also the evolution of you as a producer with them, them as singers, because especially boys slash men during this time, you can tell when, you know, Justin's voice or Nick's voice, these people's voices change oh, yeah. during yeah. this. And you're like, oh, can yeah. we revisit that song? You're like, uh, can we bring right. it lower, please? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. No, but they, they both are Justin. See, one thing that really was interesting uh, watching Justin develop is that when we got to the Christmas record, we started, I asked them to do a lot more falsetto than I asked them before, mm -hmm. simply because I wanted to be more tender and more and have a different feel. And Justin was fighting me tooth and nails because he does not like, or at this time, didn't yeah. like his falsetto, when now that is his money. <laughs> mm -hmm. I mean, he, he kills the falsetto now and it's everywhere, you know. Um, there's definitely, as singers, we find things over the years. And when we started, he was 14, like I said. So, he, of course, he wanted to sound like a man. And then when you get older and you are a man, now you're okay with getting a little softer and maybe a little bit more tender with your voice. These things are amazing because it's to hear, because for me, when I give Justin, I just think of falsetto. The fact that there was a point where he's like, no, no, no. And then you're like, listen, listen to those early records. All the falsettos are JC. He only liked see? to sing full, full voice. And, <laughs> and there might be a few where we made them, but it was always like, I can't sing it full voice. No, I want you to sing it falsetto. No, I want to sing it full voice. <laughs> you know, we had a lot of that. <laughs> <laughs> I love this. All right. Up next, we have Frank from Croatia. He said, James absolutely adore the song Giddy Up. me to look up the credits and see who makes a song and it said nsync wrote it and so did producer mr wren right, how did the song again. get made did he work other songs with them that they wrote too for the first album thank you for your time for the first album did we co-write anything else no i think all i can think of is that one right now and actually jc or justin who came with a giddy up giddy up giddy up now with that idea and we were listening to a lot of black street at the time i love black street boom, boom. Boom, doom. What's that song? No um, diggity. No diggity. So we were like, let's 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 put it in that vibe, you know? And then we started just developing the song more and more. They came up with all the words. I came up with some of the melodies and some of and, and all of the chords. That was a real collab on that one. Just sitting in the studio, just vibing, making the track, singing parts. It doesn't happen, it didn't happen too much there. We did the same thing kind of with Merry Christmas. Mm. Hopping out for a quick second, just wanted to let you know, on our next episode, we're going to be deep diving into Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, and some other NSYNC goodies. The other thing is, over the next couple of months, we're going to be doing interviews and specials and some bonus content and everything with so many great collaborators who worked with so many icons. Some of the kind of albums and artists we're going to be talking about with Britney Spears, Madonna, Janet Jackson, and, and our, our, our typical icons, we're also going to be deep diving into... Aaron Carter, JC's solo career, NSYNC's other albums, Wild Orchid, and some other boy band solo projects that never took off. So don't forget, make sure you follow on Spotify and Apple Podcast. Depending on where you are in the world, you might get notified maybe a half hour, hour before people in different territories. But we try to let you know, we try to get these out so that universally you can all hear it at the same time. Thank you so much. Make sure that you subscribe on Apple Podcast and Spotify, but we're gonna get back to the show. Next, we have Jansen from Norway, or maybe Janssen from Norway. 
James Rodriguez original doll. I noticed that Mr. Ren is co-producer on Together Again for NSYNC. Can he explain what he does as vocal producer? Please, I love the vocals on both versions of this song. Can you talk about making the song? It's no different than um, being a producer, right? But uh, as a vocal, when you when you come in to do this in particular, your scope on you know the key of the song and what drums are being used and bass and keys, that's all done. You're just mm. coming in there to make sure you're guiding them and really getting the best out of their perf- performance. Would you get like a demo vocal with that, like a guide vocal for that? Usually there's some kind of what we call a scratch vocal on it. And then we'll go and we listen to that. We'll kind of get on our ideas. And then, you know, every vocal producer works different. But what I like to do is I like to just have them sing through the song a few times on in, in their own vibe and whatever they feel like they should do. And then I will come and kind of clean it up and say, okay, well, this is cool, but let's try this. And, you know, you're ad-libbing too much in the first verse. Let's let's stick with the melody. <laughs> let's, let's keep all that for the second <laughs> verse. Um, just kind of like, uh, you know, because my, my whole philosophy about being a producer has always been to make them better as they are and to give them a commercially viable product. And for that, a commercial viable product sometimes means that we have to t- step the artistry back a little bit and be a little bit more in the pocket, which is it's not hard for them. They're very, they're very good at it. I've worked with other people where it's much harder to get them to not roll every line and, and, and phrase and, and stay a little cleaner. You know, it's definitely uh, something that they're very, very good at. Well, and that's something that I learned 20 plus years ago is like I was watching Jessica Simpson's reality show and she was about to release her second album. And there was a whole meeting she had on camera where the record label is like, Jessica, you're singing too much for this to even be on radio. Right. And I never knew right. that was a thing oh, yeah. until you go, you're alienating people by trying to do all these runs and go so crazy. The common person like me, who's not a singer or anything, is not going to connect to that because it's just over the top. Yeah, And I never thought about it. And so I wondered because knowing the vocal capabilities of like, let's say JC is yeah. that JC can sing the hell out of anything. Can roll, yeah. I can roll all over the place. Yeah. How do you have yeah. that conversation? Like pull back, do you know, like pull back with, but with somebody like him, he's, he has such a sensibility for what he wants. He's very strong opinionated about what he wants and he's very good at it. Um, mm-hmm. so he's, he usually nails that pretty, pretty well. He knows when to, and sometimes with him, it's rather the opposite where I'm like, can you do a little more mm. <laughs> back here? And he'll and he'll do it in a heartbeat. There's another singer. I mean, uh, Joe Thomas, the R and B singer. I don't know if you know him. I've 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 not personally produced him, but I've written a few songs that are in his catalog now that might be coming out soon. Um, hey. But he's he's another guy that uh, is like you have to make him as mm. good as he is in rolling. He's not the type to just roll over the place. You got to be like, can you add a little bit some, some right here, you know, and he'll do it in a second. You know, I've seen it. That's really the vocal production is really just you sitting on one side, guiding them on the other side through that journey of improving the vocal and giving it consistency. Right. Mm -hmm. Because another thing is when you start doing multiple takes, sometimes you lose consistency between the takes. You have 20 great takes and you're trying to comp it together and each phrase sounds great, but they don't flow. There's no Mm -hmm. flow. So a lot of times what happens is you end up actually using the earlier takes that might not be as good in pitch and as accurately as you wanted them, but because they have the right feel. 
And that's mm -hmm. really what where the vocal, vocal producing comes in. It's not just the fact of producing the singer, but the comping afterward. That's really, really an important part of creating that final vocal. See, I love this. Hopping out to talk about once again, NSYNC doing two different versions, two different edits, if you will, of the song. Together again, the album version of the song. The first verse does not start until about a minute and 11 seconds into the song. The radio edit, 39 seconds. And there's a reason why. The shorter the song, the more capable it is of being played more often on the radio. The other thing is, usually you have kind of an intro to a song so people can hear it. Sometimes on radio, then a radio station can shout out their name and then go right into the song. If the song takes too long, you may lose that audience because maybe that audience was looking for something more upbeat. So if they're like, I'm not going to listen to this instrumental, then they'll move on to the next station. So many times you'll see over just the decades, you'll see songs that have the album version that's a little longer, and then you'll have the radio edit. And most times, not every time, but most times, it's cut for time. And simply the reason why is just like how people talk about movies. Are they too long? Are they not long enough? If you have a movie that's three and a half hours, you could only be played a handful of times in that theater. But if you have a movie that's an hour and a half long, you can play it several times in that theater. Radio, same thing. It's about that real estate space. So I'm going to ask you this. Did you ever listen to the radio version of this? Starts a little bit sooner? Let me know in my DMs. Back to the show. Now we have a very controversial song, and I'll tell you why. You're going to be like, wait, what song? You're looking, okay. you're like, like, let me look at this. You'll get why I say it. Shelly from Boston. James Rodriguez, I loved your interview with songwriter Alan Rich. I always wondered, why are there two different versions of Thinking of You, I Drive Myself Crazy? One where JC is singing the lead vocals in the first verse, and one with Chris Kirkpatrick singing the lead vocals. Why do the two versions exist? And for a song like that, did they actually record at separate times to see which one would work? Or did JC go back in for the American re-release and re-record the first verse? So That's it's controversial because everyone is like, who did what? what I do remember that it was JC first. I do remember that. Mm -hmm. I remember during the time, we kind of, it happens all at, the, all at the same time. We recorded both at the same time. We just didn't know which one to pick yet when we were doing it, right? So this is like I explained to you earlier. We don't always know, mm -hmm. oh, you're going to do this and you're going to do that. But we're like, sing that verse and then or you go ahead and sing that verse too. And let's, you know, let's see how it vibes and how it flows, you know? And that song in particular, I'm trying to think that version where on the video here, that's the one with JC on it. So I'm hopping out because this is something that's really interesting. For those of you that are NSYNC fans, you get this. For those who aren't, this is what's amazing is NSYNC was one of those groups where certain versions of the video, certain versions of the song were released in different territories. In the United States, the version that we received was with Chris Kirkpatrick singing the first verse. Now in Europe and many other territories, they had JC singing it. One of the most amazing things is so many people are like, wait, the video I remember, because it's the same video, and they did in fact both separately shoot the first verse. So in whatever territory you were in, you might have had a different version of who was singing the first verse. <laughs> I don't think they were both released here. Of course, they end up here. But I yep. think the one version was for Europe. Again, who made that choice? 
Great question. I have no idea why they make these choices. But, you know, when we do both verses, sometimes we send it in and we're like, hey, which one do you like better? And maybe they went, we kind of like both. Let's do one here and one there. You know, you never know. And that's one of those things where it's like I've talked to uh, Megan Catoni, who did vocal producing and songwriting and everything for Little Mix. And she explained, she's like, there would be times where we just don't know who would do it. So we just said, hey, you do it all the way through. You do it all the way through. Then you do it. And then they just go, We'll let somebody else decide who uh, is yeah. going to do what part. Yeah. So yeah. that that was a big deal because so many people were like, the controversy, which I use in air quotes, yeah, right, so right. many people are like, wait, but in Why? both videos yeah. that they released, it's like you have the same video, but in one market, it's JC singing the verse, and in the other one, it's Chris. So they clearly filmed both their solos Right. during that that video time but then they're also like who did first or who did not so now we know jc no matter what recorded that part first yeah so a lot of times these decisions i remember a lot of discussions back in the day was also about jc and justin are doing all the leads how can we get some of the other guys some leads and a lot mm. of times we would try to figure out what good songs would be for them it has a lot to do with the with you know chris's range it's it's very high so for normal uh, you know tenor verses he's a little too high for that so you have to find the right song so this might have been just an ability for the label to go hey we finally got one where he sounds good on because it's perfect for his range so let's do that and that's what it seems to me logical is really why they did it see this is this is good to know because the other thing was people said why do I know it as I drive myself crazy? Why do I know it as thinking of you? Oh. And so I just, I crack up the whole time because of course it's these things that people have wondered for 20 plus years. So oh, now Jesus. we're able to, to <laughs> I go, now people can sleep at night with everything in the world. The next question I have, Terry from Hong Kong, James Rodriguez, can you ask the fabulous producer, Fight Ren, about the song, All I Need? I seen it online saying it would have been on No Strings Attached. Was this song made after NSYNC's first album and held for the second album, or was it made specifically for the second album? Please help clarify the crazy rumors. Thank you, James. You always do it right. Interesting, because it was originally, I have it here. <laughs> so um, it was a song that um, Jolien and I wrote, if I remember correctly. God, it's been so long. And I think we actually wrote it for Backstreet and then ended up recording it with them. And it sounded great on it. But, you know, these decisions are made. I mean, just like with any other great record, you're going to record 30, 40 songs and pick 10, you know. Mm -hmm. And that's just what happens. And shoot, I have I have uh, so many songs that are scrapped uh, laying around that nobody's ever heard, you know, and nobody will ever hear it because it would be legal for me to release it, you know. <laughs> so, um, you know, that's just what that's just what happens. Going through all of these questions and these people that lo love all these songs, like I said, there's so many different songs because then we even have the amount of love that I've received for Bringing the Noise, Digital Get Down, you know, the No Strings Attached album. And well, that's a lot. A lot of that programming was actually Alex, who you already had on mm -hmm. the uh, thing. You know, he did a lot of remixing of the drums and some other things and chopping up the vocals. He did an amazing job um, with taking that, taking both of those songs to the next level. You know, I'm just I'm just blessed to be able to have been part of it, you know, at that point. 
and sinkers, this is what's amazing. We are going to be deep diving into the No Strings Attached album. And if you haven't listened to my episodes with Alex Greggs, go back through the different list. Alex has played such a pivotal role in so many iconic albums and worked with so many iconic artists. So if you're a fan, check it out. And we have more coming up very, very soon. Some Christmas special with Fight Ren, but we're going to get to that. Thank you so much. And don't forget, any audio recording, ripping, stealing is strictly prohibited in every country in the world. So if you see anything leaked, please report it. And if you want to join me on Instagram, the.original.doll, Patreon, that's the best way to support me. For Ziddle's Dollar Month, you're helping keep this going so we can get more and more episodes traveling the world honoring greats. And I want to ask you this, of all the songs we talked about today, which of those songs is your most played song? Out of all those songs we talked about, of those specific songs, which song have you listened to the most? Let me know in my DMs or give me a shout out. My name is James Rodriguez. This is Iconography. I'll see you on the flip side. The original doll.